Welcome to the Free to Be show. I'm so excited to share this special episode with you. And this day in particular, May 17th, is very special to me as it was actually my mother's birthday. And, um, you know, she passed when I was 25. And um, so I won't let you know, like, I, of course, I'm only, I, I'm, I'm not 25 anymore, but I digress. So um, today we will be talking about mothers and sons. And um, I asked two just amazing gentlemen in my network. Um, so we have a perspective of what it looks like from different ethnic backgrounds, as well as the perspective of, I would say, an awakened man and um, positive uh, masculinity and understanding that even though you've, you've done a certain amount of personal development, it, you always must open yourself to do more. So with that, um, I will introduce my guests right after this. To the Free to Be Show. I am the world's best joy monger. Yes, I made that word up. I'm here holding space for you to reveal your joy. I'm also the host of two podcasts, the author of eight books, and the mother of six children. Here on the Free to Be Show, this is your time to see in your mind and your heart whether or not you are truly free. So are you free? Let's see. So welcome back. First, I'm going to <clears throat> introduce you to uh, Niyama Ashong, and he is on a mission to bring together a truly inclusive and empowered world. And he helps leaders, brands, and organizations leverage their unique strengths on an individual and collective basis, basis to drive change into the 22nd century or 21st first. Um, he brings this mission to life as the founder and Sherpa of the Outlier's Edge. And, um, and we actually were introduced because he's all about joy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, Cordelia. Really, really excited to be in conversation with you today. I always enjoy our conversations, Yama. Thank you for being here. And my next guest is Session Sharma. He says, my ancestors created a philosophy of love that guided them through a time of war when they were on the brink of extinction. I'm continuing the work of my ancestors. And he is the world's best social media coach. Welcome to the show. I'm very aware that my intro is not as cool as Nayama's. I've got to work on that. Uh, thank, <laughs> thanks for being the inspiration for that. Well, so when I look at this, I'm like, I'm stepping into this here. 22nd century for a reason, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I love both of your intros. You know, um, simplicity is is a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just curious. When I approached you about this topic, what intrigued you and what was the hell yes for you? Cordelia, like what intrigued me was the invitation to actually slow down and spend time thinking about my mom 
and our relationship. I'll be honest, there's a part of me that wishes that I had spent more time on it. I realized when you asked me, like, what is my relationship with her? What is it like meant to be like in, what is the love that has come from it? I honestly hadn't spent enough time sitting and reflecting. And as I say this right now, even just sharing with her. So um, I saw it as a tremendous gift to be able to have a conversation with you and myself uh, in a way that I haven't had uh, before. That's so powerful. All right, what you got session? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my relationship with my mom has changed a lot. we used to we used to have a lot of friction, shall we say, between us, and there was a lot of. Uh, if you can't see me, I'm pump, punching my fist together. Um, it was my. I guess if I was my mom, I would describe my relationship with my son as banging my head against a brick wall and hoping to find water instead of blood. Um, that's the best way I could put it for previously, and we've come from that to a very nurturing and fun relationship um, where, yeah, uh, when you when you asked me to come on the show and talk about it, I was really, um, I even told her about it. I was like, yeah, I'm finding this a little bit weird because it's cool to say out loud, but sometimes I'm, I, I think to myself, wow, did we really used to have that with each other? Did we used to really give each other such a hard time and now we're like friends? Beautiful. I love that answer. And and that's great. And, you know, it just shows the evolution of, you know, and, and the ability to transform a relationship um, when both parties are willing. Yeah. So, so uh, Nyama, tell me more about your slowing down and presencing process, because I, I feel like that would really speak to someone and, and help somebody today. Absolutely. So um, in this moment, the element, uh, as it relates to this particular, like getting ready for today or like right now in this process of thinking about my mother altogether. Great question. Um, In the process of thinking about your mother altogether. Yeah. um, So that, the thing for me has just been to actually go through memories. I'm not some, I'm someone who tends to try and presence and be here in this moment. And uh, through this process, I've actually gone back to uh, like the first memory I can have of her. Um, and then actually like walk back in through a place of actually just being in the experience, uh, almost like re-experiencing, not, not trying to look at it from the outside, but actually like being back in my body to experience like, what was it like? What did I feel in that moment, or what do I what do I fe- what do I feel now when I'm thinking about uh, about her? Where are the areas where, and, and this is the part that's really interesting. I'm like it's almost like a almost like a, not a radar, but like a frequency dial. It's almost like I'm listening to the radio and I'm trying to like tune in to like what's the right dial here. And once I find the, the dial that is like my relationship with my mom, there's also another element of like turning up the volume. So it's like, let let me actually, I may not have been as present to it in the moment, but now that I'm here and also a father myself now and a parent myself, it's like, what was actually happening in that relationship? What was actually happening in that moment? So that's the, that's the process I've been going through to like really presence myself into, into our relationship. And I got to say, like, I say that as though it's the past, as if I haven't talked to her. I talked to her, I think just yesterday, Um, (laughs) but it's, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, 
when I think about my mother and my relationship with her, I tend to think about like how she helped me become the person I am now, almost as though her job has ended. Wow. <laughs> it okay. really is not done. Yeah. That, you know, and even that is helpful for me because I have two sons and, um, and one of my sons is 19 and I was like, Hey, I thought it was done. And it seems like it's just starting, you know? Um, when we were together on Eid, he was just like, well, you know, I'm a mama's boy. And I was just like, I never realized that was his, his perspective, you know? And so um, it's it's good for me to learn that, you know? Um, and, and for you, Session, you said that you and your mother used to really knock heads. So... Um, how, how did you transform that? And I mean, was that something recent or? Yeah. Um, so uh, <clears throat> in 2015, I'm Punjabi, North Indian, right? Um, our people, if you know anyone who's any type of Indian or anywhere from that world, part of the world, you know that we've got big families um, and we had hundreds of members of our family. And I just, you know, I didn't really understand, like most of my life was based on obligation. Like you have to go here, you have to do that, you know, whatever, right? Um, and in 2015, I had a big wake up call and I just said, no more, not doing it. And uh, my mom, understandably, was pissed. And we just, we kept knocking heads on it all the time. My dad, me, my, and, um, you know, I just refused to budge. And um that caused a lot of problems, but it also woke my mom up to the reality. Like, okay, now your children aren't coming to these events that they're supposed to come to. They turned the heat up on her. And she was like, hold on a minute. I don't want to have any part of that. So then she stopped doing it. And through our mutual hate of obligation, we found something to bond over, which was funny. Um, <laughs> and, and I think the biggest turning point has been dropping my victimhood story. So like I had this story that my parents fucked up because they they failed as guardians because I was being abused by family members when I was younger. They didn't know about it. I tried to talk about it. It didn't really work. Um, and I just held that against them for my whole life without even realizing it. I actually made myself forget about all those things. And um, the big turning point in our relationship came when I chose to take ownership. I dropped this victimhood story because I asked my coach, Ankush, one time. I was like, uh, I want to have a better relationship with my parents. And he said, why don't you just start having one now? And I was like, well, hold on a minute. What about all of this? You, know, you, can't, just, you can't just get rid of it. And that's where I, I see my thinking, just stuff that I've bought into thoughts. They don't have to be anything more than that, is stopping me from loving and receiving love. And um, yeah, since I dropped that stuff, I mean, yeah, I could say I'm, since I was I was about to say since I've been dropping it, but I, I'm gonna say since I dropped that stuff, we're like we're we okay. My mom and dad don't really get what I do as a coach, so I asked them a couple of weeks ago. Come and I've invited a bunch of people to the house after the um, the ultimate experience event, and I just said, dude, sit with us. Just come and listen to what we're talking about. It's not so that you can work on yourself, not so you have to learn this stuff. Just listen, just hear what we've been talking about. And that was a massive turning point in our relationship. You know, they got to see, be around people that I'm around. And I asked my mom if she could share what's been changing for her over the last five years. 
and it was a it was a beautiful experience so the main thing yeah the main shift was me you know just choosing something to have instead of the the default i love that i i saw nyama really like resonating tell me what you were hearing what I was hearing were just ways to just deepen my own relationship with, with my mom and my parents overall, especially with the work that I do. Uh, I kept alive. I'm saying, I don't want to coach. I don't want to bring you. I don't want to like do any of my work towards you because I feel like family is like like the quantum world, quantum physics. It's like there's one one set of rules that apply. And then when you enter into the family, it, everything everything is upside down. Um, but Sasha, as you were saying this, I, it really dawned on me. I'm just like, what a really uh, opening and welcoming way to bring them into the world and have them see, um, to not even have them see, but like, to experience a bit of, of what it's like in my world without having to actually be the subjects of it all. And I, I just, I'm very appreciative in this moment. I recognize for me in, in conversation, like gratitude and appreciation like comes with, with, the, with the experience, but I'm appreciative of having another path and like some new, some new ideas are, are, are like blossoming inside of my head around like, oh, okay, this is like, there's some opportunity here. It doesn't, it doesn't, there doesn't need to be as, as wide as a gap, which I recognize in this moment, I have just accepted, you know, I'm living on the, the West coast of the, the US. My parents are on the East coast. I had been in Singapore for four years beforehand. Um, and it's actually pretty interesting. It's like the further apart we had gotten, the closer we actually uh, became. It's like we actually spent time with each other. Um, and there was a shift of taking it for granted to how do I actively like bring you into our world and, and bring you into our, our, our lives. So I'm right now this filled with both gratitude and also possibility about like, all right, yeah, this, this, this we can do, this we can do. That's great. And um, I'm gonna just acknowledge uh, that Gabby Puma is here. She is one of our just beautiful lights of the world. I think that's actually her handle on Instagram. Um, hello to you three extraordinary human beings, leaders, colleagues, yes. And she said to you, uh, I wasn't loving and receiving love, yeah. So, you know, just having that awareness and you see, th this is the beautiful thing about having these conversations live or even, you know, for people to listen to on a podcast because they can see themselves and hear themselves. And so I do invite those who are viewing and listening now or in the future to listen to their stories as if it's you. Um, would either of you say, I know that you're a digital nomad uh, session. So would you agree that the further apart, like physically you've been from your family, it's just been easier? <laughs> you know, it's funny. Um, as Naima was saying that, I, I was nodding my head because um, when I started my business, I chose to stay living with my parents. Um, so, you know, there's a bunch of benefits to that. Um, and there was a bunch of drawbacks, bro. Like I'm, I'm like 23 years old trying to live my life, starting a business. And on top of that, I'm hearing like, um, are you doing any work? Are, who are you? Are you talking to yourself up there? Like what, what's going on? And, um, you know, that, that was funny. But yeah, when um, last year I lived in Mexico for most of the year. <clears throat> and when I left, I kind of had this attitude of like, I'm done with you guys. I've tried you know, it's obviously not working. I don't know what else you want me to do. I feel like I'm done. That's it. 
and I kind of just accepted that that was where we were going to be at for the rest of my life. Like they'll kind of be over there. I don't really want to have too much to do with them because their mindsets aren't right. You know, like some dismissive BS. And um, I lived in Mexico for mo for most of the year. And around my birthday, so end of July, um, my family is going through a bit of a weird time. Like um, it's been a, it's been tough on my mom and dad. Like their children aren't around as much. Um, you know, we, we have our own lives going on. Me and my brother. And uh, my mom was just missing us. And um, I had this, yeah, this, this realization of my victimhood story. And when I was in Mexico, it was very easy to see it. Whereas when I was in, in London, um, not so much, you know, not as easy to catch myself um, buying into something that, that doesn't have to be true. Um, so, you know, on, on my birthday, I called my mom and she said something to me that it might, it's going to sound like a fun joke, but she said something to me that really marked a turning point in our relationship. She, I said, okay, I've got it. She said, I've got to go, but I just want to say something to you first. I said, what? She's like, don't eat too much cake and don't smoke too much weed. And she started laughing and then she put the phone down. And that, <laughs> that the weed thing has been a point of contention for both, for us for years. And for her to say that with a smile on her face, I just, yeah, man, I just melted. I started crying. I'm going to start again. But, you know, it just, uh, it showed me how, like, we um, we don't have that with each other anymore. You know, there's no, like, you got to earn my love by being the way I want you to be. And, um, yeah, man, distance really showed me that. And, and I, I said to my mom, my love is going to heal you. So mm. don't worry, I'm coming home. Mm. What are you hearing, Yama? Oh my goodness! Thank you for sharing that with us. Yeah, thank you. Um, so I'm hearing my own story as as I'm as, as he's talking, and uh, the two things, there's like two distinct memories that come, that are coming to mind right now. Um, one of them is just like a context. Like, so my parents are from Ghana, West Africa. Uh, I was born in the U.S. and uh, I've always lived this like life of I'm not quite Ghanaian, uh, even though like that's the background that they have, and I'm not like and when I like. I'm American, but what does that mean? Like, I don't have like, I, I don't know how to play this because that's not how I was actually raised. Um, and what's coming here is just like, hey, the role that my mom has played as I've been going down my own journey of belonging and figuring out like, how do I actually be in this world? Um, and uh, parents coming from from Ghana in particular, I was speaking to my, my dad. My dad was, my dad is like, he's a man, right? And he's, and he's like, he's like, this is how things go. Um, like we're, if, if I'm going to get in an argument with anyone, it'd be with my dad, but he's also like one of the first people that I'll, I'll go and hug afterwards. Right. It's going to, it's going to happen. Um, and I'm recognizing that the, the, the space that my mom held to, uh, to not just be a solve, but to actually like kind of elevate both of us in the moment. Like, I, I think, I think she helped me really tap into the ability, not just to like create peace, but to like see the the best in in everyone and see how do you like actually leverage that that part of commonality that part of even though even though things are really different between you how do you leverage that going forward so I'm very present to that in this moment and then Sasha when you were talking about like calling your mom and having a conversation with her um, it took me to it took me to an airport uh, in 2019 and it was October of 2019 and. I had just left a, a 
an intensive experience. And I had gone into that intensive experience as Nemo Ashong, who I had been for the last 20 years. I like, uh, I was always born in the, I was born Niyama. Uh, my parents called me Niyama. That's, that was everything that I had known up until my high school years. Uh, and then I got the nickname of Nemo. And over time, I adopted that more and more and more. In fact, like on my resume, it said Nemo. Like when I met new people, it was Nemo. I would go out and it would be like, like, what's your name? I'm like Nemo. They're like, like the fish. And I'm like, yes, I'm in. I'm in. Like, like, like positive feelings coming through. And at this intensive, I went through an experience that like had me just come, I don't know, just just come through to reclaiming my name and my experience as Niyama. And I remember being in the airport on the way back and saying, okay, I called my wife. I said, hey, by the way, I know that you married Nemo, but I'm now Niyama. Um, and then I called my mom. And it was really interesting to me because I didn't call my dad first. I called, like, I specifically wanted to talk to my mom. Um, and I told her, I, I, like, I thought, I told her, I'm like, I'm coming back to Niyama, the name that you gave me. Uh, and I was just expecting, like, a whole, like, wellspring of, like, aha, I knew it. Like, we always knew you would come back to it. We had to let you do whatever that American journey you had. But, like, you were, your name is Niyama. You should be proud of it. But I didn't get that. I didn't, uh, like, th that to me is when I think our relationship really started to, like, flourish. But, like, what I got was just, like, what felt like to say a, a big nod and a big hug. And it's like, okay, cool. So now we're playing this game. This is where we are now. Like, you're back to Niyama. That's great. But I think what I got was, like, I would have loved you if you stayed Nemo. It's, like, it's totally, mm. totally, totally yeah. legit. And it wasn't a big deal. And that's the part that made it such a big deal to me. I yes, love I that. I appreciate you for that. Yeah. Wow. Something so simple, but so impactful, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's like you hear of uh, unconditional love and like, it makes sense. I see it in movies and I'm like, okay, there's like this moment. Um, but when it's, when you're living it, you don't, I, it's harder to actually see and experience it, especially when, when I think about my mom, it's just like, it's always present. It's always there. Um, but in in a moment where I actually felt, I didn't realize how vulnerable I felt in that moment. I didn't realize like what I actually wanted there. And it was that simple acknowledgement of it doesn't matter because the love is unconditional, whatever you choose to call yourself. My, my dad had acted exactly as I expected him to. It was about time, all that stuff, right? <laughs> but my mom very, was just very like, daddy. Yeah, yeah. But like, and it's, it's, and I think, I think the juxtaposition of both of that in that moment is like, it's what makes it so rich for me. It's what like, I haven't thought back to it in, in a while, but it's one of my, like, my fondest memories of my mom. And I remember when we did it, she started telling me about her childhood growing up in, in Ghana, what it was like growing up uh, as like the middle child. And like, I got, I all of a sudden got insight into not like insight information. I got all the stuff I never knew about her past. Um, and yeah, that, that, that conversation completely like transformed the way that, that we operate with each other and the way that we, we relate uh, and, and be with each other. So I haven't thought about that turning point though. And Sasha, as you were sharing it, it just really it brought that story back to life really viscerally. Thanks for that. Thank you, man. Thanks for sharing that. That's a that's a 
I don't even know what word to use. I don't, I don't know what to what word to uh, describe it, but um, that unconditional love piece hasn't hasn't been there for me. I've been conditional as fuck. Excuse me, uh, very very conditional. Um, it's based on uh, you know, have you do you tick these boxes? And you know, <clears throat> I am like I was walking around with my parents messed up, waiting to happen. And they don't have a chance walking into that arena, you know. They they got to walk in with shields up, like you're right today, damn. Uh, especially when you're living in the same house, the chaos. But um, when you were speaking, it just rem- like yeah, reminded me of like I am unconditional love, and it's always there. I don't need to like buy into the stuff that stops me from accessing it. Um, one time, my, me and my client were doing a whole day session in my house. And my mom, uh, halfway through, you know, we had a little break. And um, my mom goes, oh, how are you guys doing? I said, yeah, everything's cool. And then I said, can I have a hug? And she's like, yes. And she, she's like, oh, like really shocked, con- confused. Like, okay. And uh, afterwards, I asked my client, I was like, when's the last time you hugged your mom? And he said, oh, maybe like a couple of weeks ago. I said, bro, they could die tomorrow. We better, we better be living in that. Like we're young and we we take a lot of stuff for granted. Um, Being that unconditional way that your mom was with you when you told her about your name, I want to be that. Yeah, that's so um, powerful. Unconditional love. I love that you both shared your, your story of unconditional love and how it actually changed how you're being. And, um, and it, and it shifted something that you couldn't explain and you still can't explain it. And I love to see you both tongue tied with it Um, (laughs) because just to like actively demonstrate what it is to experience and be unconditional love. Um, Yeah, I question earlier, but it it doesn't even seem to have a place here. so I'm going to instead acknowledge some of the people who are here um, sharing with us. Marina's here, Fiona, um, and like I, I shared some other comments from Gabby. So um, we are going to take a little bit of a break. And, and afterwards, when we come back, I, I want to dive more into um, how has this shaped you actively, like, you know, Nyama, you're married, Session, you're not, but, and, you know, where, how does it show up in your personal intimate relationships and, and now you as a father? Um, and yeah, I'm just curious about that. I do want to ask, ask one more question though. You both kind of alluded to it a little bit. Um, the code switching or the cultural, the cultural code switching that you've had to do because you, Session grew up in London, right? And that's not your background. And and you as uh, an American with immigrant parents as well, you know, um, how has that affected your relationship with your mom? Yeah, I'll take that. Um, as, as we were talking here, um, my son right now is leaving with, with his mom. Um, and Aww. it's just like, yeah, so this is some really wonderful moments here. He's just like, bye, dad, dad. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> there we are. I'll see Aww. you, little one. Um, 
so how's like the how's the cultural um, upbringing impacted my relationship with my mom? Is that the correct the question, Cordelia? Um, yes, in relation to like, were you ashamed of her when you went to school, mm. you know, and things like that? Mm. I mean, that happens whether or not you're you know you're from the same culture, but was it more profound? I guess is really more the question. I, I'm I'm really feeling into this one here and, and seeing seeing those feelings. I don't feel I, I I'm I'm searching right now. There's no feeling of, of shame. There's no feeling of like guilt or like wanting to push away. Um like I don't like I'm even thinking about it. I'm like, I don't hear my mom with an accent. Maybe she has one, you know. Uh but like I don't I don't hear that on an experience that I think I think for me it was it's it's just more of it's more of like the the internal battle of having my parents set me down one day and like we we're watching TV and there and there's black Americans on on TV uh, and they sit me down and they're like, hey, just so you know, you're not like those people on TV because like they had their history stolen from them. Like you you're you came straight from Ghana, like you like you can trace your lineage back, uh, and so. It's it's for me it's it's been in that juxtaposition of like oh you don't really get it but I get that like I get that I get that you don't get it and you know what, what what's coming up as I'm really thinking about this here and really feeling into the Cordelia is like my parents uh, they sacrificed a lot to make things really smooth for us they they commuted over two hours every day uh, woke up at like four or five o'clock every single morning uh, and did this like this commute that seems wild to me seen as like now, like I've, I've built a life where like my business and my commute can be like from one room to the not to the next, you know? Um, there was a time when I was working and I was a block away from, from where, where I lived. And so I think about the impact of that and like how for my mom, it, like the thing is that it was never an issue. It was just like, it was like we're, this is how we're living our lives. Like this is just what it takes. Uh, and I feel like, when I when I tap into every moment that like that I would have been irked, um, at least right now I'm like I'm surround. It's like it's kind of insulated right now with like understanding the amount of sacrifice that was there. Everything else to me feels like every moment that I can think of just feels like oh, okay, like yeah, they're, they're like this is my, my parents are Ghanaian parents. Like they like they don't they don't mess around with this in their household. You know, I'm like, my friends get away with it. Why, like, why, like, why can't I do it? And they're like, clear point blank. Like, it just doesn't happen here. Um, so I think about that. And I think about, I think the other thing that really is just playing out from a cultural perspective is just like, um, my parents' relationship to each other. And like, like, so she was my dad's wife. She's my mom. And how that impacts me with my wife, who's my son's mom. You know, and just like looking to see like what parts of this do I want to carry forward? What parts of this were, were like, how can I be there to help help her be like the best mom that she can be based on the relationship that my parents had with each other and the impact that that had on me? Um, I'm I wish I can make bring it down to earth a little bit more. It feels a little bit high level right now, um, but there's a part of me that's that's like in the processing of that as as we speak. You'll you'll be able to uh, un, um, 
unpack that a little bit later too. So cool. Take it easy. (laughs) Have all my life. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You got time. (laughs) All right. Um, Session, did you want to address that or do you want to to talk about it after the break? Yeah, can you ask me the question after the break? Yeah, I feel yeah. like I've, I've got something, but I want to I want to refresh of the question. Okay, sure. We'll be right back. Are you owning the true leader you are? Staying in the continuous flow of curiosity, presence, gratitude, and joy? Opening the door to the energetic flow of reciprocity and guess the benefits? Financial opportunities, gifts, compassion, gratitude, love, joy, a healthy body, mind, and soul, and abundance. Are you ready to create create better in 2023? Great! Beginning on July 7th, I'm starting the Joy and Presence group. This is only for serious women who desire to create and live into a better future, a world filled with everything you've ever imagined and so much more. Sign up for your Joy to Connect session and create a better 2023. And we're back. So, session. You like that? That was great, right? <laughs> I'm enjoying the vibes of your commercials. I got to start doing some of my own. That was great. Oh, thank you. Um, that was an early morning inspiration, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> literally made that this morning. Um, so, my question to you was um, in relation to the cultural code switching, have you felt any particular way towards your mom, you know, um, I'm, I'm coming from, I'm, I'm asking this question because, you know, my, my children's father is Bangladeshi, right? And then I'm African American, but we're Muslim. So my sons have said, you know, you don't know what it's like to be black, you know, in America. And I have a strange name, right? And, um, and then you, you look different from other moms, you know? So were there any, anything like that, you know, that you, you felt in your upbringing? I guess I was quite lucky in that sense. Like my mom was born in England. My dad came here when he was five um, or maybe younger. I can't remember. Um, And my mom speaks with an English like British accent like if you heard her on the phone you wouldn't be able to tell she's not like from here from here (laughs) um but man like I went to an all boys school and I was like one of the only colored kids in my year and there was a lot of you know just shit talking and I don't play that you know so I uh, I got a big mouth anyway so (laughs) I used to get myself into a lot of trouble um, and my mom never understood why I was so argumentative as a kid. Um, I remember one kid said to me, like, oh, you fucking packies are stealing all of our jobs. I said, hold on a second now, yeah? My parents and a bunch of my friends' parents came here from their countries or my gra- or their grandparents came, and they came here to start businesses which create jobs. So what the fuck are you talking about? And I actually got in trouble for that. So. With wow. my parents, with my parents, not the school, with my parents. Oh. My mom was like, stop arguing with the kids, you're causing trouble. 
She's like, yeah, just she her her opinion on it was like, if they don't know that and they want to have an argument with you about it, you telling them isn't going to change their minds. Mm-hmm. So uh, am I, I'm frozen on my side. Can you still hear me? Yes, can hear you. Okay, so um, I get her logic. She's basically saying don't waste your breath. But um, cultural upbringing wise, like, yeah, man, I I had a lot of beef with how we were being raised, um, what we were being raised to to be like in the world. Just my word for it was spineless. You know, mm. um, we have we the culture is very much bow down and kneel to whoever's older than you and do what they say. Yeah, um, I, I I have observed that of Southeast Asian cultures, it is very respect driven, and um, yeah. So I, I was curious about that. What what about you, Nyama? Would you say that um, the Ghanaian culture the culture is also very respect driven? Were you directed to not cause problems? I never really felt it as like not cause problems. Um, as as Sanjay was talking, it makes me think about, took me back to this one moment when I was like in fourth grade and someone cut me in line uh, while I was waiting to get into a class. And I said, I said, you a-hole. And I literally those were that like that a-hole, right? Uh, I was overheard Not as by, colorful as- not, not, Yeah, <laughs> but like, 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 uh, even right now, I feel embarrassed by saying I'm like a hole, like, but like, yeah, I was like, uh, in in fourth grade, ten years old or something like that, and someone came by, they they called my parents, took me to the principal. Um, and I remember when I got home that like I had to go and write a letter to to the person that the person I I, I called an a hole, the teacher who I was going to the class, the teacher who heard me, and the principal, um, and like. Yes, that like shaped a lot of like, like I didn't say a cuss word until I was like in like, for another six years or something like that. Um, but the the part that really comes for me is like, it's not, it wasn't about respect in that place. It was like, you like you need to be, you need to be like on your game, not, not from a competitive com- com- standpoint, because I didn't really feel that competition. Um, but like, be be sharp be polished like like i i i was always like the best dress growing up at like four years old like and so i think there's like these kind of like these kind of things were kind of imprinted of like be a respectable gentleman here and and there's no deviation there's very little deviation going to be allowed from that why because and and this is it like they're like they're like you're as a black man, as as an as an African man, as, as they were looking at it, um, I just I remember I I know what my mom put in to make sure that like we were able to to be that the opportunity stayed available, the mm-hmm. opportunity stayed available, and I think about this year because the word opportunity right now is like really strong for me because it's they were commuting, like they got they left early in the morning, they came home late at night, you know, and, and like still being there with the homework, still being there with like uh, discipline. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. you know? um, but, but I think that the, that's, that's really where it feels like, like it's shaped. Like there's just like, I, I can't describe, I can't put the word to it, um, but it's, it's, it's really around like 
it was about like basically if you want to be able to to survive or to be able to thrive in this America here, like you like you need people to you need to be respectful. You need people to like think of you in a way that's like I'm gonna use the word non-threatening, but like just like you can be you, you need to be able to to be in in this space with them and they need to think very positively of you. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't like a I, I'm trying. I'm trying to find a specific word because it it, it was very much so. Like, stay in your power. At the yeah. same time, like, we're gonna put, make sure you're putting your best foot forward. I was gonna offer a word to you because what Please. I'm really hearing is uh, the focus was more on the self respect. Mm. Um, as long as you show up fully respecting yourself and as an honorable human being with integrity, you know. Um, in your language, in the way you look, in your grades, the things that other people care about, as well as the things that you should care about as an individual, um, that is the key to success. Does that resonate? That resonates. As you say this, it's, it's like the word values come to mind. It's like 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 what I what I feel is that they instilled the values that they had from Ghana and they're like, we don't, doesn't matter what else is here. A lot of them is tons of overlap, but like, we're going to be value driven. Uh, and integrity is a part of that self-respect, honoring yourself and honoring others, you know, put, like when, when you say it in that context, that's, that's how I, I'm like, that was the direction that I felt in, in that place. I also feel like I want to say this out loud because there was an element of finding out where's your, like, there was there was a, like an other kind of divide, you know. It's like it's like there's there's African culture, there's Black America culture, there's White America culture, you know. Um, and I think I think like it's really interesting in reflection of this to see how they navigated all three and where like how far they got and and where where like my work began afterwards, right? Um, so so as I'm thinking about this from the code switching perspective, it really to me is around like, what is the juxtaposition of that full circle of, of honoring all three of those, those types of cultures at once. Um, and, and to me, the values part was now that I look at it from that perspective, it was like, my mom was just like values driven and like, you cannot go wrong with these. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. And it seems like, um, that that's a lot of who you are. I mean, my experience of you um, and the time that I've known you is you are everything that your mom <laughs> was guiding you to be. Um, I, I am curious though, as you talk about white America, um, I'm not sure, is your wife from Ghanaian background as well or? Oh, she, she's white. Okay. Yeah. So um, that's interesting. <laughs> Um, how does, <laughs> well, that works. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know. So, yeah. um, in the end, right. Um, how do you see this playing into your, your choice for a life partner? Mm. So let me, let me just actually think about this. Cause I've been putting it through this lens before, um, Honestly, I think I think where where it, it played out was more around like the uh, in my life partner. I'm like I need someone who's like culturally aware and culturally open. Um, like I have 
I will, I will state this here. I grew up as a black man in America from African parents, but like I lived in white America, you know, like that was my experience. Um, and, and I grew up outside of Camden, New Jersey, uh, which at the time of growing up was like the fifth most dangerous city in America. And so there was a lot of things that my parents did to try and like help me stay out of trouble. Um, and I think, I think that like when it came to my wife, there was enough, like what I was looking for in her um, was more around the, the cultural, like the cultural openness. She had lived in multiple places. She spoke multiple languages. Um, it was, it was more along those lines. I wasn't, I'll be honest. When I, when I met her, I was not thinking how would she be as a mother? You know, <laughs> it was, it was but yeah, like, yeah, that is, yeah it, it, but it worked, it, it worked really well from, from, uh, from that perspective. I, I love that answer. And, and the best part is like, of course, it never even occurred to you, like what she looks like, you know, the fact that she's not Ghanaian. Right. No. So, um, and Welcome back, uh, session. Right. <laughs> uh, Cordelia, I do need to say one thing. This, if, if I'm going to be honest around all this, right? So, uh, it's it's like in my parents had always wanted me to marry uh, a Ghanaian at first, and then they're like, just a black woman, you know. Then they're like a person of color, and like I had, like I said, I grew up in like white America, so I'm like my definitions of like what I was attracted to and all that was like was like, oh, I'm inter interested in white ladies, you know. Um, and it's making me, I have to say that cause it wasn't like, that was actually a point of like, not contention, but there was always like, there was always like some tension there, you know? Um, and what I, what I love is how my mom and my, and my wife, like how well they get along, uh, how, how, like how that came together super seamlessly. And, uh, we had a, we had a Ghanaian engagement and an American wedding. Hmm. So, yeah. So they, so we. We were able to honor both of uh, both of our like cultures and give space to each other, and and I think that that's one of the things that's been really important to me to be able to like to be in the honoring of both and to see how like the two most important women in my life like actually uh, choose to integrate and and to honor one another and and so on and so forth. So that's that's what's. That that really felt like it needed to be present. So I'm like, I don't feel like I'll be telling the truth. <laughs> I feel like I feel yeah. like I'll be getting something if I didn't if I didn't speak it speak this into this space. I totally appreciate that. Thank you. And session, I already know because it was a battle to to marry my husband. They were like, she looks Bengali. Is she Bengali? What is that name? You know. <clears throat> so tell me. <laughs> I know why you're not married, <laughs> but go ahead. Uh, yeah, man. Um, when I was <clears throat> when I was growing up, uh, the whole thing was if you don't marry someone who's Punjabi, then how will they integrate with the family? You'll be an outcast. No one's gonna want to hang out with you. Your children won't be right. You know, they'll look at them like they're different and other. And um, my parents aren't racist, but I grew up very racist. I grew up hating a lot of other cultures, and my mom and dad didn't give me that. It's from the wider family. Um, and so with my mom, like what's changed is, uh, since me, before me and her had a good relationship, I was chasing emotionally unavailable women based on how they looked. That was it. Didn't give a shit about anything else. How do you look? Okay, cool. Oh, you're emotionally unavailable. Even better. I'll just chase you more. Um, that wasn't very fun. And <clears throat> I got hurt a lot uh, on, yeah, duh, you know, looking back at it, <laughs> recipe for disaster. 
Um, but now that our relationship is much better, I, I love this saying from my, uh, as a mentor of mine, um, it doesn't sound very nice, but I'm going to say it because it truly is how I'm living. When I meet a woman, I'm going to ask myself, would she wipe my ass when I'm 80? Mm. When I'm 80 and I can't do anything for myself, is she the type of woman who's going to look after me? Maybe not wipe my ass. Maybe that's not her thing. But like, you know, is she going to help me into the bed? Is she going to change my catheter? Ugh. Well, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Was, no. I know that visual was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, but real shit. This is what my mentor said to me. He's like, such an hang out with those kinds of women. And really, that's what has changed. You know, my parents dropped all of the cultural expectations when they realized I'm not going down that route with a lot of, uh, when I say dropped, it's like I had to pry their fingers off it and then it kind of fell out of their hands. Um, but, you know, that that's been a, that's been such a massive turning point for me. So yeah, I'm single at the moment, but um, you know, coming away from meaningless hookups to make me, you know, gain a sense of self-love from, oh, I've achieved certain things or she slept with me. So it must mean something good about me. Coming away from all of that, having love with my mom has really just changed all of my interests. I don't, I don't know how else to explain it. You know, a lot of women, when I meet them, I can't say that they're going to, you know, change change my bed sheets instead of the other thing um, when I'm 80. And that that's really why I get, like, my mom is um, one of the most caring people I've ever met. And she's got so much to give. She's kind of like me, kind of. I come from her, so she is like Completely me. Completely like you, Session. And to yeah, be exactly. fair... I, I want to clean something up on my part too. I mean, um, that's that's what I meant in in Southeast Asian co cultures, and that's what they care about. You know, is this person going to be with you a lifetime? Basically, like what she said. You know, is this person going to what my ass when I'm mating? You know, because that that's they know that they know that they know a Punjabi woman or a Bengali woman would do that, but they don't know. You know, because that's not that's not the value system of the rest of the world in their eyes or, you know, so I, I get it. But now that they know that, like Nyama was saying earlier, it's about the values, you know, um, I'm sure that's released a lot of tension. Yeah. And, and I turned, I turned my back on the whole culture because I didn't like, I just decided, yeah, yeah, I don't like any of that. And so I threw everything out there and, as I've been making peace with my roots instead of trying to burn them, um, you know, I do look at a lot of the stuff that we've got as a culture. It's pretty good, you know, yeah. bonding, over, it's, bonding over food. It doesn't mean that, you know, oh, you have a wife, so she cooks for you. I don't believe in that. I like cooking too, you know, don't hog all the glory. Men are better <laughs> um, cooks. <laughs> my son, yeah. I'm just saying, my sons, I will have them cook any day over my daughters and my, and my daughters are proud of it. They're just like, that's right. Of course my brother can cook, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a lot of cultural richness that I was missing out on because I just, no, none of that. Um, but yeah, this conversation is highlighting another thing for me, which I've taken out of my culture, which is, you know, um, welcoming people into our homes. We love it. I think it's not exclusive to Indians. A bunch of people love doing this, but I see it with my parents. I'm, I'm celebrating my 30th birthday this year. I'm actually throwing a party and um, my mom's excited. She wants to entertain. 
she she wants to welcome people in our home and celebrate this thing that I haven't celebrated a birthday for almost 10 years. Um, and it's a big deal for us. So, yeah, I love that. And I, I want to be welcoming like that to anyone I meet. Congratulations. That's great. And congratulate. We're both July birthdays. I'm not going to be 30. I know we're getting there, but um, <laughs> I'm approaching 30. <laughs> are you all, you're all, all July birthdays then? Uh, are you a July birthday too? I am a July birthday. So I'm going to join the July, the July crew here. Yes. I planned it. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, when's your birthday in July? Uh, July 23rd. Okay. So I'm first. <laughs> I'm the 14th. And you're the twenty third, and when are you? Twenty seventh. Oh, how about that? Okay, totally planned. Could we just come to your place then? Yeah, we're going to his his house. (laughs) There is a difference between being invited and like inviting Inviting yourself. yourself. (laughs) (laughs) I do get that. That's a cultural thing in a house, but um, man, I I, yeah, this this is going to be off the hook. It's the first time I'm celebrating in almost ten years, and it's just because. you don't need a reason to celebrate. I used to discount birthdays and be like, I don't believe in that stuff because every day is my birthday, every day is Valentine's Day, every day is Christmas, blah, blah. But um, just seemed like, again, giving the gift back to my mom. Um, this party is not really for me. On my birthday, I celebrate my mom's birthing day because mm. she gave birth to me. I didn't really do much on that day. I was pushed out of her womb. You know, I didn't... Well, I didn't you know, I have to say it is a conversation between bodies and souls. So you you did do your part. You really did. Yeah. I I appreciate that. I'm going to tell her that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, just having birthed six children, I know that they did their part, you know, like they told me when to push, you know, so you, you did something. Yeah. Take ownership. Oh, you know, this, this conversation has been as much a blessing to me as it appears that it's been for the two of you. And I'm, I'm sure uh, t- for our viewers and listeners, is there, what I, the way I love to end my show is to ask my guest, my guest, um, what is the one golden word that you would like people to take away from all the things we discussed? You know, if, if there, if you could encapsulate everything in one word, what drops in for you? Um, I'm going to go with choice. Um, can I say a little bit about why, or is am I limited I would, to that? Oh no, feel free. You have sixty seconds. <laughs> all right. Um, so choice is it is just choice. That's what it comes down to. Um, choosing to have a better relationship, choosing to love, choosing anything. You've you got to choose to hate. You've got to learn hate. It's not natural. Uh, it has to be learned. And that's been the biggest game changer for me out of everything I've ever learned on my almost 30 years on the planet. That one word, is it humbles me to no end. So I would love for everyone who's listening to this to choose to have the kind of relationship you're going to have with your mom rather than running on the default because the default is faulty. (laughs) Indeed. Thank you. And Yama. Uh, The word that just keeps coming back is values. Um, That's, that's the, the element of 
values and alignment with that. And I, as as a result of this conversation, I'm just seeing just how strongly those have been imprinted, and like, and how consciously or unconsciously they are impacted into the decisions that I'm making. So my my element would be to take some time to just calibrate in to your values, look at the ones that were instilled within you, and as well as well as the ones that you are currently bringing out into the world, uh, and to bring yourself into alignment with that to actually just bring it up forward. Yeah. And Gabby says, thank you for gifting and blessing us. Thank you, Gabby. Yeah. She is such a beautiful light in the world. Um, for me, I would say the word that drops in is gratitude. Um, and just the opportun opportunity to be a mother is um, it, it's like um, it gives your life direction. I would say you know the the best. Um, there, there's actually something. Uh, yesterday was my daughter's birthday, and I and I told her I said the best thing that ever happened to me was you. You know, not that the other five weren't great too, but <laughs> yeah, you know. And that's a learning in itself. So, because um, my other children were present when I said that, but you know, um, just a gratitude—the gratitude of um, of being a mother and and being present um, to who my children are becoming. And um, yeah, so after this, please go and hug your mother. <laughs> Um, anyone who's listening and you too, uh, session and Yama, go hug your mom. And um, it's really been a pleasure to have you on the show and, and being open to discuss this and the way that you did. You were both very vulnerable and open and sharing. And I greatly appreciate that. So, um, and for our viewers and listeners, share this with another heart, share this with another soul and be free. Until next week. Thank you for joining the conversation. Now take the time to reflect, introspect, and implement at least one action. Be in your body, be in your soul, be in your spirit. You know, be free. Until next week.